Nothing ventured, nothing gained, as they say. So the team is pulling out all the stops this week to talk about the latest developments in European venture. From rising ticket sizes to La French Tech, Benelux Biopharma, and even a pit stop in San Francisco. There should be a little something for everyone in this latest episode of the Unquote Private Equity Podcast. Well, hello, listener, and welcome to another episode of the Unquote Private Equity Podcast. Um, so we ended up talking about venture a, a couple of episodes ago, but we thought we'd do a little bit more of a deep dive this time, and especially around the, the increasing amounts of capital deployed across the European venture space. Uh, as it turns out, two of our intrepid reporters looked into that uh, a bit more closely uh, in more specific geographies and sectors in recent weeks. Uh, so we thought we'd better draft them in. Uh, it's my pleasure to, to welcome podcast veterans, uh, Francesca Veronesi. Hi, Greg. It's great to be back. And Catherine Hilago. Hi, Greg. Thanks for having me. So overall, the European venture space has been in, in pretty rude health uh, over the past few months. I'm actually going to start on a, a slightly depressing note around fundraising, uh, but that's I'll come back to that. Um, on the fundraising side, there's, there's been a real spike for, for venture fund closes around 2015, 2017, if we look at Encore data. We've got about 80 closes a year, uh, but more importantly, it's just the amount raised. Uh, so in terms of aggregate commitments, it, it went to about 10 billion a year on average for, for that period. So between 2015 and 2017, a big jump on what we were seeing before. Uh, so the, the downside, it has cooled down a little bit since, um, as it has across the fundraising market, to be fair, um, which could, you know, at first glance, you could be like, oh, well, actually, European venture, maybe people are just a little bit down now. Um, but the, the the upside of that is a lot of dry powder that has been raised. And uh, that's clearly either being deployed at the moment or ready to be deployed in European startups. And indeed, on the investment side, Uncle uh, Data shows us that volume has actually been pretty flat, uh, which, again, could be a little bit uh, counterintuitive. And you could think that hmm, it's actually the space isn't as vibrant as you could think. Uh, sort of hovering around the kind of 1,300 deals a year uh, or so for the past few years. But if you look at value, that's where the marked ramp up clearly is uh, from 2015 onwards and really accelerating for the past couple of years. And even just this year, uh, we're looking at about, I think, 23 billion deployed so far this year. So that's obviously the, the picture across Europe. Uh, but Kat, for, if we start with you, you looked into that for the UK a, a little bit more uh, recently and a little bit more specifically. So what's going on there? Yeah, well, it's been a very exciting time for the UK um, in venture, for sure. Uh, So we've had some very high value rounds. Um, Q2 saw the four and a half year record high um, with a a crazy volume of 2 billion, um, 2.73 billion. So very, very high for Q2. And and even following on from that, October's had a pretty impressive um, month as well. Uh, Value reached over 1 billion. So value's been really uh, growing in the UK. And there's a there's a number of drivers for that, as you mentioned, high levels of dry powder. It's not just in P that we're seeing these incredible dry powder levels. It's also in um, in in venture. So you're seeing that from international investors a lot as well. Um, the capital overhang in the US and Asia is even larger, and you're seeing major US VCs investing a lot in Europe and in the UK. 
So companies like Index and Insight, uh, investing in companies such as Duffel, um, and you're even seeing that on the seed stage. Um, so uh, the Silicon Valley Accelerator, the Y Combinator, they invested in Duffel in 2018 as well, and they're also investing in other European companies. So you're even seeing it across the whole venture system, uh, international investment coming in. Okay, and Fran, talk us a, a little bit about what's happening with the biotech and, and pharma in Benelux, because that's something that you looked at uh, for the last magazine as well, wasn't it? So tickets are larger, clearly. Um, we've seen tickets f- going from 13 million in 2017 on average to 20 million uh, in 2018 and to, to 36 million uh, this year. Um, having said this, volume is the same. So what's happening here? Um, first of all, there have been some industry changes. Um, so um, I've been explained by some, um, some uh, investors that uh, gene-based ther- therapies uh, have been developing massively um, in the past uh, 15 years um, and that commercialization um, feasibility has improved. Um, so these companies are popping up, popping up and um, it's possible to invest in them now. Um, on the, at the same time, corporates are shifting um, from internal R&D to an acquisition-based model. Uh, which means that they are looking out for those startups um, to um, to buy them, which completely changes um, the situation for RVC because it's fun- it is fundraising, knowing that corporates will are likely to buy those startups um, that are you know that trade sale will be a, a potential uh, exit, and corporates are happy to uh, back VCs in the first place, becoming their LPs. So as, as a result, fundraising has been doing really well. That makes sense. Um, and you also went kind of across the border from, from the Benelux region to, uh, to look a little bit at what was happening in France. Um, and that was a little bit earlier, I think towards September, when uh, President Emmanuel Macron uh, made a bit of a big push towards kind of uh, fostering unicorn creation and just setting out the ambitions for, uh, for French uh, venture, including getting more support from investors. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? That's correct. Um, uh, in September, uh, Emmanuel, President Emmanuel Macron uh, made a pledge um, to French private institutional investors um, to raise five billion um, in the next three years. And he particularly asked insurance to do that. Um, so it seems that insurance companies uh, have until now provided uh, relatively smaller tickets. Um, mm-hmm. So that's the plan. And why does he want? Why was this pledge made? Um, Macron wants to see more unicorns. Um, so he wants to see um, between 15 and 20 unicorns by 2022, uh, which is the end of his current mandate. Um, so that would be a big push for mm-hmm. France. Um, currently, Deezer, Blablacar, Dr. Lib, Miro, and OVH are um, French unicorns. Um, but yeah, so 1520 seems like a lot. Yeah, quite quite ambitious, as is usually the case with Macron. Quite um, indeed. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, I think part of that is also uh, bigger players coming into the space, whether they're from the, the US or not. Um, and in fact, uh, as it turns out through the magic of perfect timing, uh, EQT closed its second venture fund on uh, 660 million last week. And I swear that was after we thought we'd do a, a pod on, on venture, uh, but that was good timing. Catherine actually managed to track down her partner, Ali Mitchell, in San Francisco for an interview uh, on the phone, it has to be said. Our podcast obviously wildly successful, but we can't really afford a return flight uh, just for a chat. Um, so let's get to that interview now. And when we're back, uh, we'll come back on some of uh, the points that he raises and then we'll wrap up after this. Hello, listener. 
This is Catherine Hidalgo at the Accurus headquarters. I'm here speaking with Ali Mitchell, partner for EQT Ventures. Thanks so much for joining us, Ali. Thank you. Good to be on. Perfect. So uh, my first question is, our data shows the value of venture rounds is growing while the volume is somewhat declining. Can you speak to why you think this is? I think it's slightly cyclical. What we're seeing is um, a, a trend and a current part of the cycle where more later stage deals are doing are being done. So these are typically bigger and there's less of them. So we had a period a few years ago where there was a real, uh, across Europe and the US, where there was just a real concentration of early stage deals. And now those early stage deals are maturing into later stage deals. So you're seeing that volume flow up the funnel into those later stage deals. Interesting. Okay, thanks for that. Um, and so are you seeing, kind of in connection with that, are you seeing valuations for the companies you're targeting remaining high? And, and how are you combating those high valuations? Yeah, there's no doubt that we're in a frothy environment for valuations. I mean, it all stems from the public markets where valuations are very high there as well, particularly in the US. But, but we've been saying that we're at the peak of a cycle or very high valuations in venture for five, maybe even seven years now. So this is yeah, every year we've been saying, oh, this is the peak valuation, peak valuation, and they keep on going up. Um, there's no doubt that at some point that will change. Every cycle comes to a close. But we're pretty clear at EQT Ventures on how we um, combat that, both for our companies and for ourselves. I mean, I'm a founder. I've been part of um, as, as 18 years building companies before I became turned to the dark side, as I call it, and became a VC. And I've seen you know, three, three cycles, you know, 2000. When I started my first company in 2007, when I was funding Huddle and we would just get trying to go out for our Series B, and then the RIP Good Times email came out from Sequoia, and then again during 2012 when I was at Huddle. So it's it's tough, right? And, and it's definitely going to be a, a lesson for a lot of people in the market who've never seen a downturn before. But the but the simple way that we think about it is that there's an old phrase which is in hard times the best companies always get funded. So we focus on the best companies. But what that means is that you. Um, if you think about a, a revolutionary company creating a new category, let's take an Uber, for instance. Um, they created an entirely new category. And in, in an economic downturn, they're the number one. In an economic downturn, they will still be the number one. Nothing will change about them. They might have, you know, if you invest in a great company that's creating a new category, then it will always be the number one. And in fact, during a downturn, it will disproportionately take market share from the two, three, four, five who... Um, uh, who will get flushed out and have a tough time raising because they become a distant follower. So actually, you know, our focus is very singular. It's very focused. We focused on the very best companies, um, the number one, um, creating a new category, revolutionary, not evolutionary. And um, and that's where we focus. And it's, it's a strategy that's proved very successful. It takes um, uh, bravery to work with you know, some of the most ambitious founders, creating real moonshot companies, new categories, um, and we believe that as founders and operators, we, we have the insights to help those those founders build the company. And we've just raised our second fund, uh, which is based on a very successful first fund, only three, three and a half years after the first fund. It's $725 million. It's focused on Europe. And um, the success of the first fund allowed us to raise that very quickly from some of the best LPs across Europe. And that's that's now you know $1.2 billion or north of that um, in, in management, or euros, I should say, in management just to invest in European uh, founders and, and US and international founders entering Europe. And, and that's all based on this, this theory of backing the best, creating revolutionary new categories, going global, um, and building multi-billion dollar businesses. 
And we were lucky enough to have some early successes with some of our amazing founders in the first fund, and we're hoping to do exactly the same thing in the second fund. Interesting. Um, it's very clear that venture is becoming an, a more and more exciting space, and um, that's made clear by the entry of private equity firms into some late-stage venture rounds. Can you comment on this? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the, this power law, you know, which is the idea that um, you know, a small number of huge revolutionary companies create all the value in a category and in, you know, in a fund or in a market is, is what's driving the success of ventures in asset class and of what's driving from the big stories you read about in the news. And it's what's driving the success of funds like ours. And for private equity, who are um, you know, obviously investing in more and more, that, that is an asset class is growing. Private equity is raising more and more money. They're being very successful because companies of all types are staying private and are transacting in the private markets rather than going public more and more. So they're getting more and more money and they're looking outside of just, you know, buying companies and now saying, well, hang on, there are these amazing companies that have gone beyond the venture cases and they're, they're, they're high value and maybe they're not going to get a 10x increase, but they might get a 2x increase um, that, are, that, that could do with more money and, and private equity funds have a lot of money and they're able to deploy it. And maybe this company is not going to go public because um, there are these alternatives to going public now for liquidity. And that's an amazing place for private firms to play. So it's, you know, it's, it's going all up and down the channel, but it's all coming from the fact that there is a lot of money chasing growth, chasing technology, and seeing very large revolutionary businesses being built at an ever-increasing pace, um, especially in the technology part of the market. Makes sense. So I'm interested to know, is EQT Ventures looking at any specific parts of Europe currently, or are there any parts of the venture ecosystem that are progressing at a higher rate in certain parts of Europe at all? Yes, the answer is yes and yes, partially. I mean, I think overall we have a strong thesis in Europe is now. Um, the, the last five years have seen a dramatic increase in the number and the value and the success of European founded companies going global and becoming you know, huge category creators and winners. And we've always been passionate about that as founders. I mean, I'm based in San Francisco, but we have offices across Europe. We have offices in Stockholm, in London, in Berlin, in Amsterdam, and we're just opening one in Paris. And that's pretty unique for a venture firm because venture firms normally you know, sit in London and expect everyone to come to them. That's the world is changing. There are amazing founders creating amazing companies across Europe, and we believe in a local with locals approach. So we focus across Europe, um, and we've seen a huge increase. I mean, just the average over the last 10 years has been that 50% of all startups are created in the UK or funded out of London. Um, so London has had a disproportionate weight, and that's, that's always been true and still is true. But with, with Brexit, um, with the rise of um, amazing infrastructure, that means you don't have to be located um, just in, in a country like the UK, and with the advent of VCs like us um, who are looking across Europe and, and willing to work with amazing founders wherever they are and have people and operational supports in many different countries. Um, that's meant that more and more companies are being founded outside of um, the traditional basis. And so, you know, the direct um, uh, beneficiary of Brexit was Paris. Paris has been growing very strongly. Um, it's gone from sort of number five to, I think, number two in the, in the way the number of startups that are being founded and the value of them. Um, in Europe as a, as a city, um, with London still being number one. And I think it, it's either, either at a pace or overtaking Berlin. And Berlin is, has, has done extremely well and, and remains so. We see a lot of amazing companies coming out of Germany, and that's continuing to grow at a rapid clip. But, but the general theme is that activity is happening across Europe. 
Um, Eastern Europe, there are amazing companies coming out of there now. Estonia is actually, per capita, has more venture-backed startups than anywhere else. Um, and there's some really big companies like Bolt and obviously um, uh, TransferWise, all the back of that, and, and the guys being very active in the venture ecosystem over there. So it's happening across Europe, and that's the most exciting thing because I think you know, traditionally um, uh, European technology has not been as strong as the U.S., um, and yet it has a huge population and amazing universities and amazing technologists who are now who have now started to build category-defining companies. And so we're really seeing the change of that. And the biggest evidence of that is the number of venture funds focusing on Europe, like EQT Ventures, who you know, have a 700, you know, 660 million euro fund dedicated to investing in European venture and, and a new one that we've just raised. And then obviously, you've all got the rise of the US funds who are now investing more and more in Europe as well. And that's really exciting to see as well. Definitely. It's clearly an exciting time for venture in Europe. So, but I guess on the flip side, the slightly gloomier side, uh, can you comment on uh, what you think the fate of venture in the UK is, particularly with regard to the potential loss of European investment fund funding? So it is, I mean, like any investing area, uncertainty creates risk and, and investors don't like uncertainty and founders don't like uncertainty. So Brexit has been hugely frustrating. I've been very vocal personally, based on my experiences, um, of, of the negative um, aspects of Brexit, particularly on immigration. Um, um, for sure, a number of UK venture funds, and actually my venture fund was part of this, got caught in, in Brexit. And... EIF, when they were forced to to stop investing in British-based um, funds, that caused a lot, lot of um, delay for a lot of funds um, in in the UK. But they've now recovered, right? I mean, I think the, 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 there are a number of amazing funds in, in the UK, and there are also a number. You know, still the, the the majority of startups built out of the UK. So we see no slowdown in the pace. The funds that had difficulty when EIF pulled out have now been backed by the likes of BBB, British Business Bank, and they've um, stepped in thanks to the backing of the British government and that's, and, and a lot of large um, institutions. And that's you know starting to fill the gap. So I think you know I think the UK is bouncing back, honestly, and it's getting back there. But it, it's definitely been three years of delay and uncertainty, and that's not been good for anyone. But we still see a huge amount of opportunity and amazing companies coming out of the UK. And, and are still big believers. We have our second biggest office outside of Stockholm in the UK, um, and you know two po- two partners and an amazing operational team sitting there. So we're still big believers. Okay, wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing your opinions with us today, Ali. Uh, back to you in the studio. Thanks so much. Bye. So really interesting stuff from uh, from Ali there. Uh, he's obviously very happy about the close, as he should be. Um, EQT has now raised more than a billion for, for venture over the space of, of four years. Uh, they've got their first exit as well. That, that's come through in that space and they're, they're busy deploying. Um, so obviously a really interesting take just, just from having that experience of them coming from the pure privacy space and then coming to venture. Obviously very, very... Uh, uh, well organized in that regard they've got a separate team they've got separate funds but the the overall theme of of p kind of looking looking in on venture is is one that is quite prevalent especially when we discuss the, the rising ticket sizes uh fran that's something else that you've been looking at quite recently what what were your takes on that yes absolutely so the first thing to say is that there are different players that are um looking to the strategy so um 
KKR um, started in 2016 with its uh, Next Generation Technology Growth Fund, uh, which also invests in Europe uh, on top of the US. Um, but then we have um, some other European players. Um, so the Spanish firm Arcano uh, raised its um, venture fund. Uh, we have, and in France, we have Blackfin uh, with Blackfin Tech Fund 1 and um, also Raids, that is raising uh, the Raids Venture Fund. Um, I've heard from sources that um, P is aware that value creation in the mid-market is, is hard at times, especially when several SBOs have happened on and on. Um, so there was a lot of, of really interesting takes as well from uh, from the interview with Ali there. Um, but obviously, you know, we, we talked about the kind of rising ticket prices, um, ticket prices earlier, and you know, and the corollary, which is rising valuations in general in the venture space. The other one was around just the sheer need for for quality, and that that's that's venture's game. You know, he, he referred quite constantly to. Um, getting market leaders or leaders in their segments and and being willing and ready to pay for that. And I think that's something that's been echoed in the past as well by other players. Um, I, I remember um, Uli Grabenvater from EIF at uh, the Investor Europe Forum in Geneva earlier this year. That was saying, you know, it, it was in general just extolling the, the virtue of, of European venture and commenting on, on prices, just saying that it, it should move beyond the narrow fixation uh, yes, prices are rising in the VC space, but if you look at the 2006, uh, 2005, 2006 period, there was the same spike and the, the performance from these has been very, very good. So you shouldn't worry too much about that. Um, what was your take on that, Kat? Yeah, really interesting points there for sure. Um, I was at a, an LP breakfast recently, actually, um, and they were talking mainly about PE on this um, where, of course, multiples are extremely high as well. Um, but they made the point that actually, and I think this applies to VC as well, but when there's high multiples, it doesn't necessarily mean that investors are overpaying. It could just mean that the quality of assets is very high. And, and I've heard that a lot from the VCs that I've been speaking to, people like uh, IQ Capital, Octopus Ventures. They're incredibly impressed with, uh, with the quality of companies. Okay, and uh, I'm afraid this is all we have time for this week, unfortunately. Uh, as much as we like talking about venture for, for hours and hours, that's all the time we have. Thank you very much, Fran. Thank you, Kat. And thank you all for listening. I promise we'll try not to leave it as long to the next episode. Uh, we've got very exciting stuff coming up on Calvouts, Take Privates, fun finance and more in the new year. Um, So be sure to subscribe on whatever platform you get your podcast from and we'll see you next time on the Unquote Private Equity Podcast. Mm